When I first read this chapter, I didn't know where, uh, one, I didn't know where in the world I was going to take this with so much stuff. And then I sit there and listen to it again. I'm like, man, Elijah didn't need no breaks in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? And, and it just makes me think, like, maybe there's a lot of work we ought to get to do. Instead of worrying about breaks and worrying about pauses and, and worrying about this and, wor and worrying about that. And then I, I look out there, let me get the screen on in the, in the back once it's broke. Oh. Then I look out at the at the world and I think about all this this drought that we had for a while, and we complained that the Lord had brought forth so much water at once. And I'm with you, my yard is flooded. <laughs> I was the biggest complainer, but you know, in scripture there was a lot of times where there was a drought for a while, and then the Lord had to bring a lot of water to soften the soil so that it could then be able to have seed and it could be able to be broke and it could be able to be prepared. So I just wonder spiritually sometimes if we just get long droughts. And the Lord's just got to dump a bunch of water on us to get us to break up that soil. And, and, and I guess what I'm thinking of it is this. I, I was scared of where we're about to go. And here's why. Even yesterday, I sat sitting in my wife's voice when we were trying to think of a, of a post and she was shutting down some stuff. And I don't want it to sound like this. And I don't want it to sound like, like that. And We're about to go into four chapters of miracles. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And it's so easy in today's day and time to go through that many chapters in a row of miracle after miracle after miracle where if you only come during them four weeks, you're going to have a, a pre, precognition. Is that a word? Precognition. If it ain't, it isn't that. You're going to have a precognition of what we believe. And it's that there's always going to be miracles. And I want you to understand, like, this is just a section of Scripture. This is not, we're not, we're not getting into a real prosperity gospel or, or any of that kind of stuff. Like, we're taking God's word for what God's word is. Amen. And I point this out because in the, in the fear in me of, of that, and I sense that fear and hurt of me and worry about it, we're foolish to be afraid of preaching God's word for what God's word says. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to preach these next four weeks. There's not going to be any interruptions. There's not going to be any pauses. There's not going to be any, well, we'll skip over that chapter and come back to it later. We're going to go miracle by miracle by miracle. And we're just going to pray that God dumps a flood of water on top of all of us yes. to break up some soil so that we can get some fire going. Yes. All right? Y'all you know, with me on that? Amen. I got like four people with me, so I'm going to preach to them four. The rest of y'all, you wasted your hour this morning, you could have slept in. You know what I'm saying? So, so here's where we're at. Jump into this, this beginning right here. I just want to jump right in. There's so much to cover. Chapter 4, this woman at the very beginning. Verse 1, it says that she lost her husband. Now she can't pay her debt. Now, I can't think of a situation in life where you begin to get more worse than when you lose your husband to death. And if you're so far behind on bills that there's a guy standing at the door knocking, because legally he now has the right to take your children as well. Now we don't have that going on, so we don't we can't really understand. But I need you guys to get into her situation because what is happening is her husband has died, she's so far behind on her bills that there's a guy knocking at the door, literally, you know, well, I mean not literally, but he's about to literally be knocking on the door, and he's gonna say, I'm taking your two boys to cover this debt that you owe. That's that's a heart. Richard situation, I, and I glossed over that thing, I don't know how many times this week when I read it, and then it hit me. Then it hit me. This is the next generation that is being enslaved because of the previous generation. Mm -hmm. And I wonder as a church sometimes, if we're enslaving or getting ready, if the world is outside, the spirit of the world is outside, knocking on the door, getting ready to enslave the next generation, because you and I have allowed the spirit and the Holy Spirit to flow through us and perform miracles we are supposed to be performing and, and to light them up and get them excited about what God can do. True. You know what I'm saying? Have we, have, we, have we watered down the gospel so much that the flow of the Spirit has stopped and, and we've, we've been afraid of chapters where there's miracle after miracle after miracle because we're afraid about how the world will view it. And because we're afraid, we, we change it up. Amen. You know, you hear people all the time talking about, man, we just need to get some more of that old-time religion. Some of y'all don't even know what old-time religion is. And I don't know if we need old-time religion or new-time religion. I just know we need a relationship with Jesus. Okay? And if we would just get a relationship with Him and start looking at His Word and the promises that He says, we wouldn't have to worry about somebody knocking at the door to claim the next generation. That's right. So, so you and I this morning, as we sit here and listen to this thing, I want you to think about your next generation. Your children, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's children. And as it prolongs, and if we stop the flow too early... There's a spirit outside that's willing to take them. That's right. If you and I don't want them, I promise you there's a generation out there and, and an evil spirit out there that's willing to take them. So as we look at this thing, this oil represents, all throughout Scripture we know this, represents the Holy Spirit. So if we stop the spirit of one, the evil spirit's willing to take them. So here's, here's two questions. The very question he asked at the very beginning with this lady. She tells him a problem. Probably the best thing you can do, by the way, is just tell God your problem. 
But sometimes we like try to come up with a solution and we try to come up with this and we try. She just comes to him and says, you know what? Let me just tell you how bad everything is right now. And he says this, well, what can I do for you? Now, a good Southern woman would want to backhand him on this one. <laughs> She's like, what do you mean, what can, what can you do for me? I'm telling you, my husband's dead. I got the bills due and they can't come take my kids. There's a lot you can do for me. But he wants to hear her say it. See, God, we, we sometimes think just because we showed up and just because, like, God is omniscient, he knows everything, like, we don't have to tell God everything. Oh, God. We just think, oh, God, because you know it all. And I know that theology. God does know it all. But we need to understand, like, God wants to hear you voice it. God wants to hear you say it. And she said, this is what you can do for me. I'm, I'm in a sticky situation. So then he says, well, well what do you have? What do, you, what do you have in your house? What's in your house that God can use that could bring a miracle to set the next generation free? And the opposite is always true. But maybe for some of us, we should answer this way. What is it in your house that's hindering the next generation then? What's it in your house that needs to be getting gone? What in your house needs to be cleaned out? This woman's first response, if you continue to look at verse 2, is she says, I got nothing. Then real quickly, she, it's almost like, like, like she's got nothing and she's looking around the house. She's probably sold, you know, we imagine she's probably sold some stuff to pay for this debt to save her children and all that. But she gets to this point now where she's looking around the house, she's got, I, I got nothing. And then she sees, she sees this little, it says jar of oil. Some of your translation says pot of oil. I got cracked up when I looked at the Hebrew word. It says a flask of oil. Anybody got a flask on them? <laughs> Not today. You got a picture. <laughs> you, you got a picture. This little glass, though, and what was it? What I want to point out is this: because when we read this the first time, it's easy to think, you know, maybe she's got a jar of cooking oil sitting on the shelf, and it's like full. No. What I believe she's got when we look at the Hebrew word and see that it's a flask, I think she's got some anointing oil. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think she's got... When they're more personal. Somebody so I don't know. That is, there's a special place in hell for somebody still in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, is there? For them, forgive them, they're not going there. But could you imagine... I mean, think about this. Could you imagine something this small as you're looking around your house, and this is what, this is what the Lord draws her attention to, and she goes, you know the only thing I got? I do have that flask. And in that flask, it's got some anointing oil that I use, maybe for medicinal purposes, maybe for, for prayer services, or, or whatever I've been using it for. But she minimizes it so much, it, and it just makes me pause this morning and think sometimes, what if we minimize that God's going to do a great miracle through? What is it that you look at in your house and in your life, and, and, and you get so overwhelmed by the, by the minimal things that you overlook like the most significant things? And the most significant thing is this. It's just something that she's willing to give to God. I, I wrote down, we need an oil check this morning. You know, like, like some of us got cars with little lights that come on and tell you, you got to check it when you like. I wonder how many lights would be on if God treated us like a car and, and like just flash <laughs> For God's sake, add oil to me. For, for goodness sake, please put some oil on me so I can keep on rolling. It is very possible that we're overlooking the very thing that God wants to bless us with. And we've got to stop minimizing what we've been blessed with. I mean, think about it. How often is it that you complain about what you don't have versus how often you talk about what you do have? That's right. we, we, we mess up all the times with this, guys. And, and here it is. She, she doesn't get a command until after she answers the question. You, you get to this next verse in verse 3. She gets a command. But you don't get the command until you answer the question. Some of us are stuck and we're wondering, God, I, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm waiting on my command. And God said, you ain't answered the question yet. And if you're not willing to answer the question, I can't give you the next command. Amen. Luckily, she answers it. She says, all I got is this flask of oil. And he, and he goes to the command, verse 3. Well, you know what, then? I want you to go around the neighborhood. I want you to knock on some doors. And I want you to borrow not a few. Look at verse 3. Go and borrow a bunch of empty containers from everyone, from all your neighbors. And then he adds to it. And I'll just come back with a couple of them. So my question is, because we don't know. Now you've got to speculate a little bit. How many jars did she go get? How many doors does she knock on? Could you imagine the awkwardness? The rest of y'all country folks, y'all got like a lot of land, so y'all got to walk far. But let's go to the neighborhood folks over here. Right? Could you imagine walking around Bridewood just knocking on doors? Hey, can I get an empty jar? What? I don't know. It's a good question. What is it for? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like she, she, had, she had that moment of pause that had to strike her at a moment when one of the neighbors finally said, well, what do you need all this for? I, I don't know. <laughs> How many of you would have stopped knocking on doors at that moment? Because, see, that's the problem. One person would have asked you, what do you need for? You wouldn't have known, and you'd have been scared to death to make the next step. Somebody brought forth a fear. Somebody brought forth a reality, and you'd have stopped right there. I don't know how many jars she had, but I know it was a lot of them. Because the ending, it says that she was able to pay her debt off and live off the rest of the oil forever. Right? So she didn't, she didn't shortchange herself, but I think sometimes we shortchange ourselves. How many jars did she get that was probably full of trash? I mean, if you go to borrow something, let's just be honest. The holy section won't, but us country people will, right? <laughs> Somebody comes over to borrow something, you're not going to give them your best jar, right? You're going to give them some leftover jars. Right? Some jars that like got like maybe maybe a little bit of sugar, a little bit of flour, or a little bit of this left in it, or a little bit of that left in it. All right, for all I know, y'all got, like our house, y'all, hopefully y'all's husbands has bought y'all some flowers, right? So y'all save all those, those vases across the top. Y'all got them? <laughs> Any woman that doesn't know what I'm talking about right now, her husband ought to be at the altar before the end of the day. Right? But, but we got them all lined across the kitchen, right? And I wonder how many of them full of dust and spider webs and, and who knows what else the kids snuck up there and dumped in them before they got up there. I wonder how many of them is what people grabbed and handed her at the door and said, you know what, here, take this one. And as she and the boys probably walked back, they looked inside her, man, it's full of trash. And Elijah said, I need empty jars. So they had to empty out the trash while they were walking. Or maybe after the first one full of trash, they said, you know what, this is dumb. I'm not going around asking my neighbors for the trash any longer. What, what stops you from keep on moving forward? This lady and her kids, they don't stop, man. They didn't let fear, they didn't let a lack of understanding, they didn't let none of it. And here, here's the big lesson. Your, your, your determination, your magnitude, determines the magnitude of your miracle. Right. However many jars they got is how many the Lord fill up. Right? We see we, we won't got to do great things and we cry, oh I missed the miracle days and all that kind of stuff. I, I wonder if God's just looking down saying, I need some vessels to dump the miracles in. Amen. Let the miracles have stopped because the vessels have stopped. Mm-hmm. Or the miracles have stopped because the vessels are so full of their own stuff right. that there's no room for me anymore. Yeah, right? We gotta we gotta make room, man. I don't think the problem is God's ability. I think the problem is we've been giving little vessels. So we get little, little miracles and little, little things, right? The more vessels they supply, the more empty vessels they supply, the more it can fill. It's kind of like the ditches last week. The bigger they dug them, the more water they could go. Right? The more water they would flow. The problem is available vessels. Look at this in verse 6. The oil said it didn't stop until they ran out of vessels. Verse 6, this lady looks at her sons. And she and I just wonder, like, can you, have you guys ever pictured this scene? Like, we, we probably read it a bunch of times, but I wonder, like, how often we've actually pictured this lady pulling out her little flask. I, I don't know if that's where y'all keep them, but that's, I've seen movies, I've seen movies, right? And she pours out this little flask, and, and, and she's dumping it into the jar, and, like, it goes to get to the top of the jar, and she's like, man, this is cool. Hand me another one. And, 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 they, and they switch it over. That, that one fills up, and, and that was cool, and, and, and another one. And, and she just keeps on doing it until she gets to this moment where verse 6 and when they were all full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there isn't any more. And then it just tells us the oil stop. The oil didn't stop. The, the oil didn't stop. God's miracle, God's blessing didn't stop until the demand for the supply stopped. Do we, do we get that, guys? We're missing out on some stuff because our demand for the miracle has stopped. And God says, you know what, if you, if you don't have a demand for it, what can I do? Right? As long as there was vessels, the oil kept on flowing. Now, I was thinking about this this week, and y'all, y'all know I get, I, get, I get a lot of visual stuff when, I, when I'm going to read, right? Yeah, and the first thing struck me is this. We got a customer that gave us a curing machine. So we were like, yeah, it's cold. We need coffee to keep on going throughout the day. So, so I'm smart enough to bring a cup. Somebody's not. <laughs> not saying any names. You could be sitting on the back row and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. Could be the only Yankee I've ever let work at the tire store. Uh, but you know, all that, all that, all that aside, it doesn't matter. He didn't know to bring a cup, so like I, I filled up my cup and he goes, "Oh, it's smelling good." And I said, "Yes, it's nice." Da 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 da. We we going on through it. I'm sipping on my cup and and he's got to go get a bottle and cut it. 
Any rednecks in here know what I'm talking about. Right? We've done this. You don't have a filter, you cut a bottle. You don't have a cup, you cut a bottle. You know, you do this very easy. Now, you city folks, y'all got no idea what we do, but this is how this is how it gets done. And, and he cuts this thing because he had to make a container for the coffee. He didn't just want coffee, he wanted a cup of coffee. Am I right? You tell me you want coffee and I just dump a coffee on you, what you gonna do? You're gonna be one takeoff individual. It's the container that's got some value to it. Am I right? Amen. Think about it. You don't go knock on people's doors and asking if you can borrow something that ain't got no value. You're asking if, I, if I'm asking if I can borrow it, that means it's got some value. Now it doesn't have all the value, but it's got some value, right? Maybe you could take it this way. And, and I thought this one a, a, a little later. We, you know, we, we like to eat pizza at our house a lot, mostly because the only thing the gas station makes it give us. But but in this pizza here, here's what I did. I, I called my stomach. I was like, hey, what what does the box cost? And she's like, oh, it's, it's $12 with tax. Like, that's pretty much where, where I said, no, 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 I bought 7 million pizzas from y'all. I know it's $12, right? I know I can walk here at $12 and walk out. I think you give me a piggyback every now and then. Sometimes you don't give me a piggyback, and that's okay. But what does the box cost? She goes, um, I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd have to check it out. So, so I, so I go, to, go to get some gas, and then I'm talking to her, and I said, hey, what, what did you figure out what the box cost? She goes, well, if we buy them in bulk, it's like 30-something cent each. 30-something cent for a box, right? So the container's got some value, but not great value. Now, when you put a pizza inside that thing, yeah. <laughs> a meat lover's extra cheese pizza, you're now at $12. Plus, Which still don't sound like a lot until you realize the box that was 30-something cent now went to a value of 12 That's three, oh, more than 3,000 times the value it was. If you would just see just a little bit of value in yourself and get filled up by God, you can be worth it more than 3,000 times what you're worth. See, it's not the container that really holds the value. What, what, what it is is the product that goes in the container. But who wants the product without a container? If I just went up there and asked for a pizza and she threw me this big old sloppy <laughs> dough of hot sauce and pepperoni falling on the floor, like that would have been heartbreaking, right? I probably ate off the floor. <laughs> right? But without the box to put it in, we would, have, we would have missed out. So the container matters, and then the product matters even more. The awkwardness this lady had is she goes around and, and asks to borrow all this stuff, right? Not knowing what it's even going to be for. Not, not even wondering, like, when I'm going to be able to return it or, or anything like that, right? She realized, like, she, she held up the, the flask and she says, It's not nothing, but it's not much. But see, I think a lot of us, we focus so much on the nothing that if we would just focus on the what's not much and give that to God... We'd have a bunch of pots filled with who knows what, right? Man. It goes on even further. And check this out here. Here's what I really need you guys to understand. Because the, devil, the devil's after you all the time, right? Some of y'all, three of us, three of us had a bad week, so we know what the devil, the devil gets. The rest of y'all, he's not worried about because he's already got you. That's why. Let that sink in. All right? He, he's already got you. He's not worried. Right? But when the devil comes, it's not that the devil can stop the flow of the Holy Spirit, but he can stop us from using it. Yeah, the devil could come in and take the oil from the lady, but if the lady never presented the oil to be used, there'd been no value, right? Well, look back at four and five. Four and five, she says this. They go in and shut the door behind me and your sons pour all oil in the containers, uh, set the full ones to the side, and, and, and she leaves and she does it. So after she had shut the door behind her, notice she keeps everything, everything's in, 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 in behind doors. I, I point that out because how many, how many miracle workers do we have all over just doing things in the open? Does make you wonder? A lot of miracles was done in closed doors. Right in the minute, they go to an upper room by themselves at the time. But, you know, the, 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 there was a small group at, at the raising of some of the dead. Now, not all. Not all has to be a problem, but some were closed doors. She had to go in closed doors, because what you do behind closed doors matters. Your integrity. She, she goes back there, and she doesn't get a miracle until she starts pouring. No matter what you, but if you look around your house and you've got nothing, your husband's dead, your sons are getting ready to get collected, and the only thing you're holding is this flask full of oil, you're feeling pretty poor. When you're feeling pretty poor, you don't like the poor. You get that? When you're feeling P-O-U-R, you don't like the P-O-O-R. I did it backwards. I 
actually going to stay away from an illustration like that. I'm not smart enough for that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, when, when you feel bored, you, you don't want to be bored out with you. You want to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. That's when the devil gets you right where he wants you to be. Mm -hmm. He's got you. Like, you're holding on to the stuff. But, but Scripture tells us in these verses that the oil, oil only began to flow when it was poured. Mm -hmm. The enemy wants to stop you from pouring. He wants to stop you from using what you've got. And if he can stop you, you miss out on so much. That's right. This lady gets the opposite reaction. She starts pouring, and as she pours, more keeps coming out. Mm -hmm. Now, I went out, and she looked at that little flask, and was like, hey, this is cool, right? <laughs> this is neat. Yeah. But she didn't let her bitterness stop her. See, bitterness will stop you from pouring what you got because you're worried about getting what you want. Right? And here's the reality sometimes that, that messes us up. We get mad because we try to bless somebody, and, and they don't appreciate it. You've been trying to bless somebody for the wrong reason. Right? You're not worried about that, that type of thing right here as she does this stuff. And here's some free lessons because we gotta, we got to jump on to the next session. We're going to try to cover all these miracles, right? Here's some free lessons. The supply stopped only when the demand stopped. We said that. Big one right here. Anybody under 30 probably needs this one. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. Some of y'all, hmm, y'all's generation needs it too. Right? <laughs> she went and told the man of God what had happened. Like, like he didn't know, right? That's what, that's, what, that's what I love, right? He says, okay, go sell all oil, pay your debt. <clears throat> What's the first thing he tells her to do? Sell so it. Everybody under 30, pay your debts. <laughs> right? You, I mean, you hear me? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's the problem. Like, we'll, we'll get a huge blessing and we forget about the debts we owe. It's, a, it's an obvious lesson. It's stewardship. Who would have thought stewardship could come out of oil uh, jugs being filled with oil, right? Go and sell all that, pay the debt. And, and then, not just you, but you and your sons will be able to live on the rest. This guy, this lady, I'm sorry, gets so much blessing. She asked for what? To help with debt. What does she get? She gets enough to meet future problems that she didn't even know was going to come about. Can, can you imagine? I don't know if they got bills in the mail like we got, but, but can you imagine like she's sitting at the house, all the debt is paid, and then like another bill comes in that she didn't even know was going to come? And then she's reminded, oh, I got a little bit of oil, let's, let's use that and pay that one off, right? Like future problems that are coming, he's already equipped her with enough to meet the need. Sometimes we think God just came to pay our debt and that was it. We're missing the fact that he came to do so much more than just pay the debt, right? God always goes above and beyond. What we're thinking. And, and when you look at through scripture, man, and, and those vessels that were filled by God, I, I was listening to a guy talking about vessels being filled by God, and he pointed out Mary. Now, I was thinking about Matthew, you know, with, with the men's study, and, and 42 generations God had been searching for a little girl. That's a long time of searching, man. And finally, he finds one. And then I'm thinking, like, like, like you know, pregnant women, they, they develop this. This thing where like they they kind of walk a little different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they, they ain't quite as smooth as they once were. They begin to, to waddle a little, a little different than they had before. And I'm thinking, man, when God fills a vessel, we should walk different. And then I think like a pregnant woman, like she can't have certain things. So like she's got to deny that stuff. And when we get filled with God, there's certain things we've got to deny. I don't know. And when God fills a vessel, like things begin to be changed about the vessel, right? And, and that, that's what we see happening, you know, not only through, through Mary, but through any of the men and women that have been used by God in Scripture. So, so the question for the end of this section is, if, if what if the measure of which you received God was based completely off your desire for it? How much would you have got this morning? Right? The, the measure of what you receive is based off your desire. It's one thing to wish for something. It's another thing to deeply desire something. Right? Two, two totally different kind of things right here. And then I love the fact that Elijah made her do it. Mm. We, we get in a trap sometimes with people who are in rough situations and we want to do it for them. Mm -hmm. Elijah said, you, I can't do it for you. I can only tell you what to do. He tells her, you should go get some jars and, and then you just start pouring oil and then you go sell them and then you, you pay the bill and then you save the rest. It, it's all on her. And maybe that's just a lesson for us. Maybe we need to realize, like, you can't do it for everybody. You, you, you can train them, you can teach them, but, but at some point, you know, to, and then the other thing, like, when she's pouring this flask, man, I'm never going to get to chapter number eight, right? But when she's pouring the flask, how long did it take for a little flask to fill big old jugs? Probably not long. Probably not long. You tell me 
right here into a jug. I don't know how big of a jug they gave her. Let's say they gave her a flower pot at one house, and then they gave her like a little cup at another house. And she's got, I was like, you're going to tell me pour it out of this little thing, right? I don't know what kind of alcohol you'd be drinking, but most people pour out of a flask. Like, like it, it, it is a slow pour, right? So, so you got a slow pour going, how long did it take for the jars to be filled up? It's a miracle from God. Hours. It took hours. You know why? Because God's not testing us. God wants to make sure. Man, it took days. I don't know how long it took time in the jar she had, right? But the point is, are you willing to keep on pouring, even if it's a slow process? Yeah. Yes. Are we really? Oh, yeah. See, it's easy while we in church and excited to say, oh, yeah, we're doing But what if you were the one pouring the flask? What if you were the one that then had to go sell the, the vessels? What, what, what if you were the one that had to put it on Facebook market and deal with all the calls? And text them in there, right? Would you do it? See, I think we missed out on so many questions because we're not willing to do the work. It was a prepared vessel that was gathered, empty, and ready to go. All right, let's jump forth to the next one. Verse 8, eight, eight through 10 starts this next one, right? 8 through 10, you got a lady. I'm going to try to sum some along since thank you uh, ahead for reading, right? You now got a lady who's sitting on her front porch and she's walking, watching. She's not walking yet. She's watching. She's not watching either. <laughs> She's watching. By the way, if I say Elijah or Elijah, keep in mind it's all Elisha, right? Because Elijah is dead. All right, so Crystal said, you be saying it so fast sometimes, like they don't know which one you're talking about. Elijah is dead. We ain't talking about it no more. Okay. All right, so now we're all Elisha. There you go, all right? So, so she's sitting on the porch, and she's walking, watching this guy. Man, she's watching this guy walk back and forth. I don't know where he's walking back and forth to. Now, he goes to Mount Cornwall. I don't know that. Yeah. Right? When you, when you had your biggest miracle, you return to that spot, by the way. That's cool. Yeah. Cool lesson for you, right? That's why altars are so important. Right? But, but she, she's, she's watching him, and, and this is what she tells her husband. She goes, this guy, he he's keeps walking back and forth. And we know who this guy is, right? He's, he's the guy that's got the double blessing. And she says something. She goes, we, we ought to do something for him. We ought to bring him into our house. We, we ought to inconvenience ourselves. To help him out. So you got just a small lesson and a small uh, picture into this lady's heart and attitude. She wants to do something for someone else. He doesn't ask. He's not begging for anything. She just she just flags him down and says it right. Verse, verse 9. She said to her husband, you know, this man keeps passing by regularly, constantly. Right then in verse 10, she goes, you know what we can do? Now, this is what I love. She didn't even ask him yet. Between 9 and 10, there's been no conversation. She's not went out on the porch and said, you know what, we need to talk about this. right? She just tells her husband, hey, you need to get upstairs and build an extra room. If I was her husband, I'd be like, for what? But she tells him, she goes, there's this guy that keeps passing by regularly, and I'm tired of him passing by. I want him to stop and stay for a little while. So he goes upstairs, and he, and he does build this room because this woman doesn't want him to pass by. She wants to make room for him, right? Now, if Elijah's supposed to be symbolic of bringing the presence of God where he goes, how often is it that we sit and we're content to watch the presence of God just walk by us? Mm. Back and forth, day after day, regularly, constantly is what it said. Right? Constantly passing by. But, the Bible also tells us right after verse 10 when they make this room, that he stops and stays. Mm-hmm. They even made the room perfect. They put up the walls they put him a bed in there, and then they put him a table. Mm-hmm. And my boys thought it was a real lampstand. They're like, how did they get electricity back there? <laughs> you know, candlelight. So they got that going. And then they got this little thing. They know he's going to sit there, and he's going to study. And I just wondered, you know, symbolically, when we read this thing, how often is it? God's walking by, and we're content. Just let it keep on passing by. Rather than stopping the neighborhood. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 18, there's this guy that's blind. Verse 37, he's so, he's so blind that he has to ask people what all the noise is about. Right? And he says, well, what's all the commotion going on in the town right now? And, and some of the people tell him, oh, that's just Jesus passing by. Now, he hears the word Jesus passing by. And in, the, in the very next section of the verse, it says that he yelled out for Jesus to stop. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds cool, right? And that's great. But all the people... People will get in your way. There's a lesson. <clears throat> All the people come up to this blind guy and are like, hey man, you need to, you need to quiet down. You need to shush. Like, you, you kind of being loud and, and obnoxious and, and, and getting in the way. You know what the blind man did? Thank God he didn't do what some of us do, right? I think some of us would have got quiet. 
we were, we were just sat there on our little mat and not anything. It says that this guy began to shout louder after being told to be quiet. You know what then happened? Jesus heard him. Jesus heard him, and it says that Jesus, as he was going along his way, stopped and stood still, turned around and asked the man, hey, what is it you want? Now, I'm not going to lie, that's got to be one of the funniest scenes in Scripture. You've got a miracle worker, all-knowing God, who's asking a blind man, what do you want? You know, what was he going to say? I, I would like my fingernail, my hangnail fixed. <laughs> what do you mean, what I want? Jesus, I want my sight back. I want to be able to see. But you've got to voice what you want to God. Right? The obvious doesn't guarantee God addressing it. Just because you've got a need, don't mean God has to fix the need. Now, we don't like that. We're like, man, that's, that's some messed up stuff. But that's true what Scripture says. Right? It, it, it's exactly what, what's going on in here. So, so you get this thing, and it's going through, and this lady who's crying out, back our story, the lady who's crying out, and, and she's saying, man, I, I need you to, to, to stop and, and stay with us. You know what? i, I got to share this. I was going to skip over it. When, when I first wrote that down about Jesus stopping, I, I remember Joshua making the S-U-N stand still, and then I was like, this blind guy made the S-O-N stand still. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, man, how cool, right? Right? Need does not obligate God to do a miracle, right? Despite how our soldier he is and, and all that kind of stuff. They cried out in desperation. And, and that's what made him stop. The lady, the lady made an invitation for him to come in. Now look, what makes God stop all throughout? All throughout? Sometimes it's faith. Sometimes it's just our honesty. Sometimes it's getting real with God. Sometimes it's just <laughs> stop playing church. Sometimes it's just doing more than watching. That's the lady that she, she just got tired of watching. And she wanted to make room for him to come in, right? And he comes in. And I think the quote yesterday we found finally Crystal allowed to, to be approved, right? Was you put the sail up, but you you can't make the wind blow. But if you put the sail up, you can catch the wind when it blows. Right? It makes good sense. So, so it's going through this thing. I, I point that out because I don't want you to think like you can manipulate God. A lot of people read these chapters about miracles and like, oh, it's a, it's a formula. No, it's a person. This isn't, we don't have a religion of formula. We have a religion of, of a person, Right? A relationship with a person. So then you get to 11 through 17. Elijah, who knows how long he stayed there, right? But then he asked for the Jesus question. What can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Th this lady, here's what you got to say. This lady's got so much. She's so well off. I don't need anything. <clears throat> I didn't do it for that reason. Like, I I'm good. I I'm, I'm fine. It's okay. Elijah won't take no for, for an answer. He says, hey, servant, you know, my buddy, my pal, I need you to check out what she needs. He does some searching. He goes, you know, this lady's got it all. She's well off. The only thing she's missing is a child. And then he adds that, that famous line that every man wants to hear, right? And her husband's too old. Mm -hmm. You can read between the lines of what's happening there. <laughs> right? And then somehow he goes back and says, you know what? I know you're missing a child. This time next year you're going to have a child. And she says, man, please don't play with my emotions like that. Please don't play... With my emotion right now. Now here's the question. Here's the problem that we've got. What do you do when the promise of the dream has died inside of you? You're going to tell me this lady never wanted a child? I don't believe it. She had gotten to a point where she was content. That's a good thing to get to. But the dream, the, the, the passion, it had died. And having a child. And Elijah knew it. And whether it was just by God telling him or, or giving that idea through the servant or whatever it was... And, and, he, and he promises this. And she says, man, please, please don't, don't do this to me if you're not being for real. Like, don't, don't stir this emotion back up in me if it's not going to be the real thing. Sure enough, a year later, she's got this boy. And then some years pass, and we don't know how many years pass, but we get 18 through 21, and we got this boy working in the field with his dad. And heat stroke gets him. I think it's heat stroke. I don't know what it is, right? Something gets him. Something gets him while he's working in the field. He gets a headache. And, and, and the dad says, man, you know what? Take him back to his, to his mom. Mama's holding him. And, and while mama's holding him, he dies in her arms. The, the thing she was afraid of is exactly what's now happened. She's now, she's now thinking, man, it'd been better to have not had him than to feel this great pain of losing him, right? Even when we serve God faithfully, sometimes the promises and the dreams die. Even when we serve God faithfully and, and, and follow through, Pain's right around the corner. The, the New Testament, the book of Mark, chapter 4, they, they, were, they were with Jesus. And uh, Jesus said, oh, we're going to cross over 
to the other side of the lake. They're with Jesus. They're where they're supposed to be. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then later on in the same chapter, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves began to beat the boat. The water began to fill the boat. The stern was getting, you know, everything was just real, real bad. Everybody then gets mad. They're like, Jesus, how are you sleeping through this thing right here? Then Jesus gets up in verse 39, and he rose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still, and the wind cease. And there was a great calm. Just because it looks rough on the outside, don't mean God's not on the inside and ready to do a great miracle. This, this lady's holding, she, she's holding her dead son that she never dreamed she'd have. And she's got great perseverance. Look, look at verse 21. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you catch 21 when Head read it or when you read it this week while you were at your house like I know you did. It says that she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. So she went to the upper room, laid him on that bed, shut the door, and left. She's not preparing for a burial. She's preparing for a resurrection. Right? The perseverance and the faith that she's got, that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work, right? She, she goes to her husband. She goes, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a donkey, and I'm going to need one of the servants. And he says, is everything all right? She goes, it's well. Her son is dead upstairs. This woman's mindset is still as well, right? She, she gets on, and, and the roll, so they walk in her. She said, drive fat or fly, run as fast as you can, right? Don't slow down. And, and she gets to, now this is what's awesome. So she's, she's consistent and also inconsistent at the same time, or content and also uncontent at the same time. She's content because what she's saying, all is well. All is well in my soul, but not all is well in my world. And, and, and the servant gets up to her, and she says, hey, what can I do for you? She goes, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to the man of God. She, she's so she's so bold, like that bulldog kind of faith. Like she's not gonna take no for an answer, right? But she gets there and she finally talks to Elijah, and Elijah goes, you know, they go through all this this stuff right here. But verse 32 is what stood out to me. Because they go back to this bed that she had built out of faith. In verse 32, it says this: when Elisha got to the house, he discovered the boy lying dead on his bed. It's the same bed the lady built just to give Elijah a place to stay. Who knows how many years ago? The same, the same bed that she prepared in the same room that she prepared. Who knows what you make room for today that may be performing a miracle years from now? Mm -hmm. Right? And that's where she's at. She, she had built this room full of faith, or a room of praise, a room of whatever it was, and now it's become a room of desperation. I'm sure a room of crying and a room of seeking. And she, and she finally gets Elisha there, and, and he goes in, in verse 34, Head's translation said it right. Some of y'all got a King James or other translations where verse 34 says that he waxed. He waxed. Look at verse 34. Then he bent down and he laid on the boy and he put his mouth to mouth to him and eye to eye to him and hand to hand to him. Man, that's got to be like a weird picture, right? Yeah. While he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm. Some of y'all's translation that last part said, said the boy's body was, was getting waxed. Now, now, when you break it down into the, to the Hebrew, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's H-A-M-A-M, right? A mom with a couple of fancy little letters and stuff that actually changed a, a lot of it. But here's what you need to understand. It's slowly getting warm. Now you got a picture of this scene. You've got a dead boy who knows how long he's been dead, how fast his body's began to cool off. And now you've got a man of God who's laying on him, and the scripture says his body began, Hebrew word, slowly warmed up. It's slowly warming up. It didn't happen all at once. It's kind of like the filling of the jars. It was a slow process, right? He's slowly getting warmer. See, some of us, we're not paying enough attention or feeling enough to know when things are slowly warming up. We, we, we've stopped believing because we didn't think it was working when, when in reality, God was warming things up. You've got to learn to keep going with God even when you don't see the fullness of the miracle. You just see a little bit of the warming up. And, and that's exactly. He's staying there, right? And, and he's laying there. And here's another thing. I've got to point this out. This is how I know Scripture is true. Because if you were writing a story about the hero of God, would you have wrote it this way? Did you pay attention to what happened when Herod? He failed like two times. I'm not writing a story about a hero of God that fails. Right? You wouldn't know that he, that he sent the servant, the servant didn't get it done. Remember, remember what it said? She, she went to him and he said, you know what, I'm going to tell this guy because he's probably younger and he can run faster. He's going to go ahead and, and he's going to tell him what he did up. That failed. And then he, then he said, you know, when you get there, that don't work. You lay your staff on him. You remember Moses? I don't know if maybe that's what he was thinking or what. And, and, and he laid the staff on him and what? The, the boy still didn't get up. 
know, then I was just probably wondering, like, should we like be quoting Psalm 23 backwards here and, and make some sort of passion worker or what? When Elijah gets there, and again, it says that he went behind closed doors in private. <coughs> and he began to pray, and that still didn't do it. And then he lays on this guy. This isn't flattering to Elijah. If you were writing a story about a hero of, of Scripture, wouldn't you be more flattering to a guy like this? This isn't flattering. He's failed. He's failed. He's failed. And then verse 37. I mean, verse 35. It says that the boy sneezed seven times. Now I looked over every commentary I could, every web page, trying to find out what is significant about seven sneezes. Completion. Yes. Yeah, I had that too. That's kind of. Yeah. I'm like, why sneezes seven times? Nothing. Nothing. I started that search on Monday. That's six days of searching for seven sneezes. You know why it's there? Because it happened. You ever think of something way more significant was coming with you? So then I added that to real life. I'll give you a little bit more, right? Can you imagine how nasty this scene was, though? Like he's laying there, face to face over him, and boy wakes up. You imagine how much snot and crap went all over his face? Like how fast was he not to move to get seven of them in the face? You know what I'm saying? Like boom, boom, it's like rapid lunch and snot launchers coming out. Anyway, if you got a picture, if you don't picture scripture, it ain't fun, right? You look up sneeze in the dictionary. It says this. An involuntary catching of breath and expelling it violently. You keep reading a little bit further in the, the description of sneeze. It says, usually because something is irritating and caught in the passage. Yeah. You ever had something caught in the passage make you yeah. sneeze? Yeah. You ever had something, here's the catch, it's not just sneezing. In, 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 in the other word, it can also mean be coughing. So have you ever had something like caught in your throat? Yeah. And you start coughing and clearing it out? What you're literally saying, if you go through this definition, is that you got to get it out of the way. And I, I just wonder, like, and maybe that's why God's pointing out, like, He knew we would check out what sneezing and coughing was, and He's saying you got to get some doubt out of the way. You got to get some fear out of the way. You got to get some murmuring and complaining out of the way. You, you got to get a lot of stuff out of your way so that you can breathe again. You need to take a deep breath so that the Holy Spirit can flow through you and breathe again. Not manipulating or anything like this. Remember what I said? Gospel faith is not faith in a formula. It's faith in a person. I'm not telling you like, like there's, you do A and, and B and, and then you get C. No. No, no, no. I'm telling you, if you do A and B, you can be like this lady at 23 and 26, where you can say it's, it's well. I don't know how it's well, but it's well. Because it's well with my soul, but it's not well with what's going on. And there's, there's a connection with those two, too. Because if we get well with our soul, that's the only way we'll be able to notice the discontentment and the compassion that's needed for this world. Well, notice, like, it is well with me, but it's not well with everybody else. It's not well with, with what's going on everywhere else. And when you're content in Christ, all oh, things change, right? Let me get to verse 40. <laughs> verse 40, it says this. End of the chapter. Fast forward for just a, a, a lunch. Verse 40 says, And they served some of the men to eat. But when they ate this food, they cried out, There's death in the pot, man of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, if I'm Elijah, Elisha, and we, we don't know how much gaps between each thing. Remember, we, we put scripture in order as far as verses and numbers and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's man-made, right? But he's gone from like one thing where there's a lady who's in great need, great debt, to another lady who's got everything but a son. And maybe that's it. Maybe God will perform miracles in the one area you don't have success in. Right? That's the only area she was missing was, was the son, right? That's where she got a miracle. So, so you get this lady... And everything goes well, and in verse 36, you know, the boy got up, everything was good, she bowed down, da, da, da. But then this next section, 38 through 41, Elijah returns to this, to this city, and there's, there's a famine back in the land. And the prophets are sitting before him, and, and they say, man, what are we going to do? <laughs> he doesn't give any, any special insight. He goes, how about we get some large pots and make some stew? What are you going to do? You're going to feed the people, fix them some eat. I wonder how often, like, the obvious answer is right in front of us. Mm -hmm. We're too lazy to get a pot and collect the vegetables and cook them. There's nothing, nothing big at the beginning right here. He just tells them, go get a pot, cook some soup, and start feeding people. Oh, why didn't we think of that? Because we're lazy. You know what I'm saying? Because we're lazy. So then they even, it's like after, after the obvious answer takes place, 
and it's working out, they still want to find a problem, right? So verse 40, it says, and, and they begin to serve the men to eat. And, they, and there's something in my pot. Now, I don't know what death in the pot was, okay? Maybe it was a rat tail. Maybe it was a toenail. Maybe it was a hair. I don't know what was in the pot, right? But, but here's what happens. Elijah then said, get some flour. you got to picture this. He doesn't empty the pot. He doesn't throw it out. He doesn't wash it. He doesn't even clean it. He says, let's just get some meal, some flour. Let's throw it in the pot. And then let's serve it to the people to eat. And then he says, there's nothing bad in the pot. And, I, man, I contemplated this thing for so long. I was like, what in the world? Like, what man wouldn't have cleaned out the pot before putting more stuff in it? And then I'm like, man, there's, there's a spiritual lesson with every physical lesson and every physical story, right? He's saying what happened. This is what happened. Well, what's the spiritual lesson about it? It's this. When, the, when we as a world want to clean things out, we think you've got to get rid of stuff. When God wants to make something greater, he just adds something greater to it. Now, you apply that to you if you're the pot. Right? If we're the vessel. I hope you understood at the very beginning, we're talking about us being the vessels, right? So if we're the vessels being filled with the Spirit and continuing that flow, and then we get to the end right now, and we're a pot again that's got some, some junk in us, Thank God he didn't throw us out. He says, you know what? I'm just going to add something greater to it, and it'll be good again. Does God need to add something greater to your life to make you good again? Right? To make you usable again? And, and, and here, here, here goes to the very end. Just so you all tell me I left out anything, right? 42 through 44. A man, a man came and he brought the man, brought the man to God on the bread of the first fruit. So he brought this time, right? He's following the way he's supposed to be. 20 loaves of barley bread, newly ripened grain uh, in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people so they can eat. The man of God said, give it to the people so they can eat. Okay, the man of God said, give it to the people so they can eat. And the servant said, give it to the people so they can eat. I've got over 100 men. What he's saying is this. I, I don't really have enough food to feed 100 men. And I says, I didn't ask you how much you had. I asked you to start feeding the men. So we kind of get a picture like Jesus in the New Testament. You know, the, 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 remember all the disciples and they came up with all these solutions? Do, do, do you remember that story? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the solutions they came up with though? Like there, there was one of them that said, this is impossible, we can't do it, let's just send them home. Mm -hmm. How often we try to just get rid of our problems? Mm -hmm. That's what he was doing. He was trying to get rid of the problem. Let's just send them, send them home. Then there was Philip. God like that guy, he's got good business sense, right? He calculates how long it would take to raise enough money to get enough material to feed everybody. He was a bookkeeper for a year. That was his job, right? So he does it. He, and God's like, yeah, the solution's not in finance. The solution's in me. The solution's in what you got. So then you got the third guy, and he at least comes forth with what he's got. He's like, it ain't much, but I did see this little boy walk around with a Happy Meal. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know how we're going to feed thousands of people with a, with a, with a, with a four-nugget meal and some french fries, but that, that, that's what we got. And then you got Jesus who said, give me the happy meal. Some Jesus and then he puts them in baskets and he says, go out and feed the thousands. Mm -hmm. Your solution sometimes is the small thing right in front of you that you overlook. I wonder why God allows so much. Now I know man put the chapters and the numbers and all that, but I do, I'm a firm believer. Not that they are locked down or anything like that, but I'm a believer like these, these men that put these numbers, chapters and verses and all stuff, they prayed. And I think they, they did the best they could to be led by the Spirit to divide stuff up the way it is. So I went like, why did God inspire them to get all these miracles in one chapter? And it's like, you got so many things that are connected to these miracles. From the very beginning to the very end, you got it's the little thing that God's going to bless and do a great thing. And I think sometimes like we, we totally miss the fact of, of, of God always doing more. I mean, look at the very end of this thing. What, what does he say? Not only are you going to have enough to feed them, but there's going to be leftovers. Mm -hmm. So he said it before them, and he did, and, and then it even proves it. Verse 44. So, so they ate before them, and the Lord, as the Lord had promised, they ate, and they had the leftovers. Jesus didn't just come to pay your debt, guys. He came so that you can have life and have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. He came so that you can have good work. He came so, so that so to continue to be blessed day after day. If you'll just grab a hold of the little things and hand them over to him and surrender over to him, right? Have you set the sails? Have you even brought vessels to the Lord? See, sometimes I think we get stuck on complaining that we hadn't seen God do stuff. But I wonder, do we even have the faith to set a sail when the wind ain't blowing? To, to bring vessels when 
All we got is a flask to build a room where we ain't even asked the guy if he wants to stay yet. Right? Maybe, maybe a lot of us are even like the, the blind guy. The blind guy the, in the book of Luke, where the people are telling him, hey, you just, you, just need to, you just need to quiet down. And that blind guy says, I, I can't be quiet any longer. I've got to shout louder so that I get Jesus' attention. Or, or the woman in the, in the crowd. <coughs> you, you, you notice, if you study, and, and not only with Elijah, what's going on here, but if you study a lot of where Jesus was going when miracles happened, he was on the move. Mm-hmm. And people stopped him to get the miracle. Even his own disciples, when they were, they were out in the ocean, it said that Jesus was walking along the shore as he went. Meaning this, he wasn't coming to them. He was just going for a stroll on the beach. And they shouted out to him, and that's what stopped him. Why are the people of God that say they believe in this kingdom and all this stuff, why are they so content to just watch other people experience the blessings? Why are we so content to just, you come to it, you know, they say all the time this, and not that you guys ain't important, but they say all the time, man, it's the music that makes the service. And then some people say, no, it's the, it's the word that makes the service. You know what makes the service? Not that it ain't important, not that what I'm preaching anymore. What makes the service is your response to it. That's it. All we had was music and some speaking if you guys ain't responded to it. And that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. If we don't respond to the Holy Spirit, We've left him hanging. And it says that if we leave him hanging, the flow will stop if there's no vessel to be poured into. I want to be a vessel that's being poured into. I want to fill up so much that I can fill up these vessels. And those vessels can fill up later vessels and later vessels and later vessels. So that we can continue to not let any generation be enslaved by the lies of the enemy. What you say? He roars like a lion? He's a faker. That's right. He's a faker, man. He's a faker, and he's content to get you to stop doing what you're doing by faking things. Right? Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. Lord, we bless you. Your, your word, Lord God, this morning as it's, as it's spoken, as it's read, as it's thought on, as it's contemplated, Lord God. And I pray right now, Lord, this does not be a, a service of speaking, a service of music, but it be a service of response. Lord, the most important thing that can happen right now, Lord, is for you to downpour water, soften soil, Lord God, and let seed get planted. God, if seed's already planted, Lord, then bring forth some more water so that it can grow. God, let your sun shine, Lord God, so that it can grow. Lord God, reach us right now where we're at. Open our eyes to see what vessels we haven't been given yet. What containers are so full that need to be empty so that they can have room for you. Where we need to make room for you in our life, Lord God. Where we need to open our hearts to hear from you. Where, where we just need to be obedient when you tell us to do something. That we will do it without fear, without worry, without doubt. And Lord God, I pray you open our eyes to see that when we do all that we're supposed to do, Lord, you bless far more than we could have ever asked for. And you keep on blessing for the future. In your great name we pray. Amen. Amen.